All right, well, what's up, Traders Point family? Those of you in the room, those of you online, so good to see everybody today. And I just want to welcome you wherever you may be joining us from. And uh, if you have not heard the news, uh, we are regathering as a church in just a few short weeks on Sunday, September the 20th. We're really fired up about that and looking forward to it. And uh, you can actually go to this link right here and get all of the updated information on our plan for September the 20th. And I just want to um, encourage you to just be praying towards that date and beyond. Our team is working really, really hard uh, to create a safe yet um, exciting, a meaningful experience on all four of our campuses. And we've really thought through everything. And I want to encourage you to jump on to uh, a serve team. If you served before, love to have you back. If you've never served in our church before, this would be the perfect time to jump in. This is going to be an all-hands on that kind of a thing because we want to be able to uh, greet people that perhaps have never been uh, to any one of our campuses physically before and uh, so they can experience the love of Jesus. I also want to say that uh, there may be a number of you that um, are not ready to come back or maybe you're not able to come back due to for a number of reasons. Maybe you're in a high risk category. Maybe you're just not comfortable with it yet. Maybe you don't live in Indy and that would be a long commute. I just want you to know that we totally understand that. We are for you and Traders Point Online will continue to be there. And I just want to encourage you to engage. That's the biggest thing. Engage, um, get into a watch party, host a watch party, get into a group. Uh, we would love to help you along uh, your spiritual journey. Well, uh, I don't know how many of you uh, tuned in uh, last weekend to uh, the Indy 500. If you live in Indy, that's kind of a big deal. It's a big race, right? Anybody watch the Indianapolis 500? Uh, I, I, I did. I, I watch it every year. I love the race. I love the tradition behind it, what it means to our city. Obviously, uh, somewhat unusual this year because they ran it for the first time in its history without fans. And I know that that was a bit disorienting for the drivers and the teams. But hats off to them because they put on a great show uh, for us, even though there was no fans in uh, on the track. And there was some great driving going on. Now, granted, uh, they ended the race under a yellow, which is kind of a bummer. But it's 2020. What did you expect? All right. So, uh, but hey, they, they did, they did, ran a great race. And uh, I am always paying attention, especially, uh, you know, during races like that, at just um, bold moves that the drivers would, would make. And uh, there was one that really stood out to me. I don't know if any of you saw this. It was towards the end of the race. Um, Alexander Rossi, he actually gets a penalty in the pits and he has to go to the very back of the track. He'd been racing up front. And he's a little bit upset about this, and he makes a, an amazing move in which he passes like five cars in one turn. I don't know if any of you saw that. But when I saw that, I jumped up off the couch. Like, that was amazing. And there's something about when you see somebody who's really good at what they do make a bold move. Like they take a calculated risk, like that could have gone really, really bad for him. And yet uh, you see that he actually comes out in front on that. There's something about that that causes me to reflect in my own life. And it causes me to go, well, are there any calculated risks or bold moves that maybe I've been hesitant in making that, that I need to make? And I'm not talking about passing five cars on 465, all right? It could include that, but uh, depends on where I'm going. But uh, I'm talking about, like, um, is there any area of my life in which God is prompting me to make a bold move and I've been telling him no or I've been pushing it off for whatever reason? I've just been apprehensive. 
Is there any area of your life? As we get started today, I just want you to think about that just for a minute. Is there anything in in your life that God is prompting you to make a bold move? Maybe it's some sort of a step of faith. Maybe it's uh, to start a business or to redirect a business. Maybe it's loving someone sacrificially and they're not easy to love. Maybe it's having that hard but necessary conversation. And it's going to require you to make a bold move. It's going to require you to take a calculated risk. I love what um, Theodore Roosevelt said. It's one of my favorite quotes. I'll just read you a portion of what he said. He said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, and if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his, small, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. I, I love that quote. It's this idea that, that, that God may be calling you to something hard, and you may get knocked down, but you're in the arena, and you need to get back up, and you need to continue to make a bold move. And I think one of the things that uh, sometimes I hear from, from people, or maybe you've thought this at, at one time in your life, is that following Jesus, you know, sort of makes you soft. Or that faith is, for, uh, is a, a crutch for the weak-minded. And I would say that Jesus is a lot of things, but Jesus is not soft. And Jesus, uh, if you spend any amount of time with him, if you read about his life and his ministry, you see that he made lots of bold moves and he responded to the bold moves of others. In fact, I want to give you this working definition of faith. Faith is a bold move into an unknown future based on reliable information. Like, so there's this, no such thing as like blind faith Now, we all are facing an unknown future. I think that's what we mean by it. But it's not blind in the sense that it's foolish because it's based on reliable information. Namely, the person of Jesus Christ, which is why we have four Gospels that tell us all about him. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you're just now joining us, we are in a series of messages working through the Gospel of Luke. And we've said that each one of these gospel writers writes their own kind of um, unique explanation of who Jesus is and and what he did so that we might have a more well-rounded understanding of him. Because having that connection with Jesus, like that changes everything. And Luke's primary motivation was a good friend of his by the name of Theophilus. And Theophilus was an outsider who was somewhat skeptical, and he was unsettled in his spirit. And we get that because Luke says, "Uh, Theophilus, I've taken the time to put together a well-ordered account so that you might come to believe, implying that there were some things keeping him from believing. There were some things that were holding him back. And so Luke's motivation and heart was to help his friend know Jesus. And so we're just spending the bulk of the rest of 2020 in Luke's gospel and letting his words about Jesus settle our unsettled hearts. And as we come to our passage today in Luke chapter 5, we're going to read verses 12 through 20. We see two different narratives, two different examples. So we're going to cover them both of people who made bold moves and Jesus responded to it. And then we're going to learn what we can take away from it. So starting in verse 12, it says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. 
Now, you've probably heard about leprosy before. It was this horrible uh, skin ailment. Uh, some leprosy could be caused when uh, you, you were numb, you had no feeling, and so you would just damage your body, and your body would never heal. You'd become dis disfigured. It was a horrible, horrible disease. And it says that this guy was covered in it, and nobody wanted to be around him. Now, I've never had leprosy before, but I have had really, really bad poison ivy. And the thing is, is that I actually have never been like allergic to poison ivy before. Like I would never get it very easily until a few years ago, I was um, cutting down a tree in our backyard and I had a chainsaw and the tree uh, was covered in poison ivy, but I didn't know it was poison ivy. I just thought it was pretty green leaves. And so I cut this thing down. I'm in a short sleeve shirt. It's August. It's hot outside. And then I just start cutting it up into pieces so that I can uh, put it over into a brush pile. And as I'm uh, sawing this tree, like it's splattering all over me. And I just had no idea. And I get done and I pick up each of the pieces of the tree. And like it's draped all over my arms and throw it into the wood pile. And uh, two or three days later, this was the result. I had poison ivy. Don't you love that high definition close up? Aren't you ready for lunch now? All right. Uh, you can go ahead and take the picture off. I, I was covered in, in uh, poison ivy. You're all still here. I'm glad you didn't leave. All right, so you online as well. Um, this, was, this was like four years ago in August. And those of you that were in our church then, you might recall that I preached every Sunday in August in long sleeves. And that's why. Because every time I would approach somebody uh, and with all my, that poison ivy, they would just recoil in disgust. They would just kind of step back. And that was just a, a little bit of what it might have been like to have leprosy. When I did a little bit of reading about that this, this last week, um, lepers were total social outcasts in that society. In fact, um, there was literature on it that said that you should not buy an egg on a street if there was a leper there because it might, might contaminate you. The lepers were ordered to stay six feet away from everyone. Sound familiar? In fact, some cruel literature said that you were to hold like, carry like a rock, kind of put it in your pocket just in case you saw a leper, to throw a rock at them just to keep them at a distance. This was a horrible, horrible disease, not only physically painful, but obviously emotionally and spiritually painful as well. And even if you've never had leprosy, chances are you know what it feels like to feel alone. And actually feeling alone and isolated is detrimental to your health. Did you know that feeling alone increases the risk of death by 26% while social isolation increases mortality risk by 29 to 32%. Loneliness is as lethal as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It affects more than one third of American adults. It has negative effects on mental health, depression, anxiety, mood disorders, cognitive decline, also leading to higher rates of cardiovascular impairment, chronic pain, and fatigue. Internet and social media engagement actually just magnify these feelings of loneliness, depression, and anxiety. See, if you've ever felt alone, and if you felt alone and isolated prior to the pandemic, then all the pandemic done, has done has magnified those feelings for you. And my, not only my guess, like I, I feel like, like we just know that right now this is... So many people are wrestling with this. So many people feel alone and isolated. And, and even though technology has helped us to stay connected, it's actually contributed to the problem of isolation. Because instead of face-to-face -face communication, 
we're just talking via a screen. And oftentimes people say things via a screen that they would never say to somebody's face. That just creates more further isolation and hurt. And it says that when this man who was feeling isolated and alone, it says that when he saw Jesus, he fell. He fell with his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And right there is what I want you to see is that this is his bold move. That is an extremely bold move. And some of you might say, well, it kind of seems like, you know, that would be a no-brainer. Like if I saw Jesus, I'd probably do the same thing in that time. And I would just say, no, you wouldn't have. And the reason why is because what he just did here was illegal. It was illegal for him to approach anyone and to talk to them and let alone to say, hey, would you get up close and personal with me? In fact, the Levitical law actually told lepers that if they were walking down the street, they were morally and legally obligated to yell out to people who may not see them coming. Unclean. Unclean. Could you just imagine the humiliation and the isolation that it would have felt like to have to do that every single day. And so he falls down to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you were willing, could you heal me? And he really has no idea if Jesus would or could. There's really no precedent for it. And I love Jesus' response to this man's boldness in verse 13. It says, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. And could you just hear how Jesus would have said these words with tenderness in his eyes and his voice? I'm willing. No one else may be willing to touch you, but I'm willing. Be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. See, Jesus here reaches out and does something that this man had not experienced in years. He would not have, he had not felt the touch of another human being in who knows how long. You know, a friend of mine who is a, a chiropractor, I was talking to him a few months ago and he said that uh, right after lockdown began to lift and people started to venture out of their homes for the first time, he said that he was having all kinds of people make appointments with him to come in and see them because of just all the stress and the pain. Uh, clearly, there was just so many people that, that needed a, an adjustment. And he said this to me. He said, Aaron, I don't know how many people have come into my office, laid down on my table, and as soon as I lay a hand on them, they begin to cry. They just begin to sob because nobody outside of their immediate family has touched them in weeks and weeks or months, and especially even the people that live alone. See, human touch is so powerful, and Jesus knew this. And so here's the question that I had, maybe you've had as well, is that in this passage, it isn't like, did Jesus really need to touch him? I mean, couldn't Jesus just say it? Couldn't Jesus just heal him from six feet away? Because in John chapter 4, Jesus healed a nobleman's uh, child at a distance of 20 miles. So I think Jesus could have handled six feet. Like, why did, why did Jesus touch him? And I think the reason is because Jesus knew that this man's need wasn't just physical. This man's need was spiritual. And it was emotional. And he needed somebody to touch him. And Jesus was more than willing. And see, instead of Jesus becoming contaminated with this man's leprosy, Jesus cleansed the man. And then Jesus ordered him in verse 14, Don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony 
to them. So he says, don't, don't tell anyone. And see, this is the difference between me and Jesus. All right. Okay, there's a whole bunch of differences. A long list of differences between me and Jesus. But this is one of them. Because I think that if I would have healed the guy, I think I would have been like, hey man, like, uh, can you tag me in that post? Uh, hey, can you, can you tell some of your other friends, maybe here's my business card, you know, I'm happy to do this for some others. I mean, you, we probably would as well. Why, why is it that every time Jesus heals somebody, he says, don't tell anybody. Have you ever thought about that? Why is it that Jesus does a big, big time miracle and you think, wow, Jesus, this could get your message out even more than before. Jesus says, hey, I don't want you to talk about it. Why does Jesus do that? Well, I think, I mean, is that like false humility or something? Well, I think the reason why, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, Jesus wanted to be really clear with all of us that he came not to just do tricks. That his primary motivation wasn't just to do miracles, wasn't just to fix somebody's problem in the immediate, because eventually the leper's going to die. No, Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. And he didn't want the miracle to supersede that message. So that's one reason. I think the other reason is because he knows that many of us have a tendency to just want to use Jesus to get what we really, really want. And, and I've been guilty of it, and you've probably been guilty of it, is that we pray and we want Jesus to swoop in and kind of do a quick fix. And Jesus can, and oftentimes he will, but not always. And just because he doesn't, doesn't mean he doesn't care. It doesn't mean that he didn't hear your prayer. It might mean he wants to do a deeper work than what you're asking. It might mean that he wants to do some character work. And that's going to take a little longer. It might mean that he wants to change your perspective. And that won't happen if you just get everything that you pray for. And so instead, Jesus says to, the, to this man, go, go, to the, go to the temple and show yourself to the priest. Well, what's that all about? Well, in the Old Testament, lepers were often outcasts in society even after uh, their maybe condition cleared up or maybe they got healed in some way. They still had the social stigma of it. They would still be like, well, that, that person used to be a leper or that person used to have that. It was just this sort of thing that stuck with them. And so in Leviticus chapter 14 and 15, Moses designated an offering as evidence for the full cleansing of leprosy, not just the physical but for the whole person, releasing them of the public stigma. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And Jesus said, this is what I want you to do too. Because I want others to see that I've totally cleansed you from the inside out. Have any of you ever had somebody judge you because of your worst moments? What's that feel like? Feels pretty condemning, doesn't it? Feels like you'll never get out of that hole. Do you know what it feels like to have somebody like assume they think they know who you are and they don't really know your heart, but they automatically label you? You ever have somebody just judge you by an outside appearance? Man, we have all felt that way to some extent or another. And Jesus is in the redemption business. He changes us from the inside out. Come on, you can put your hands together for that. Jesus touches the untouchable. And there's somebody here right now that's like, not me. Yes, you. Like, oh man, if I ever came to church, the roof would cave in. You don't know what I've done. I'd say, man, you're taking way too much credit for your own sin. You can come on in, all right? Come on, listen, Jesus can handle it. Jesus forgives what you might assume is the unforgivable. Jesus has a far easier time forgiving others than what we do. And so Jesus says to this leper, hey man, I want to cleanse you completely and fully. So you go to the temple. And all this took place because this man made a bold move. 
Once again, I want to remind you of this definition, that faith is a bold move into an unknown future based on reliable information. Well, I want to just finish out the passage real quick because what Luke does here is he actually combines two different narratives together that, that almost seems like a shift, but there's a reason why he puts them together. And um, this uh, particular narrative is one that has actually informed uh, the direction of our church over the past six or seven years. And we, most of the time we study it out of Mark's gospel, but Luke actually includes it as well. And I want to read it real quickly for us, starting off in verse 12. It says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there, and they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this, because of the crowd, because the crowd was all crammed in, they weren't making any room, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, which Luke is very nice about this, which meant they tore a hole through the roof of somebody's house that was not their own, all right? Right in front of Jesus, when Jesus saw their faith collectively, bold move, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, there's so much I love about this passage. And if you know me well, then you know that. Uh, like I've said, this has informed the mission and the direction of our church. It's why we have stated our mission statement the way that we have. Our mission statement comes out of Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, and this passage right here is that we want to remove unnecessary barriers that keep people from Jesus. And I think the reason why Luke puts these two narratives together is because it's two different sets of individuals making bold moves when they didn't have all the information, but they went ahead and did it anyway. These, these friends are like, could Jesus heal our buddy's legs? We don't know. We think he might be able to, but let's take a chance on it because we want to get our hurting friend to Jesus. Well, what can we take away from this today? Like, what's the application? What's the takeaway? And so if you're a note taker, if you've got maybe a, a phone, you want to take a, a snapshot of these application points, then feel free to do that. Because I want you to take this with you and I want you to, to mull it over later today, maybe in your, uh, your group later on during the week or around the dinner table with your family. Here's the first uh, application. We need to make a bold ask. What is it in your life right now in which God is, is prompting you, calling you to make a bold request of some kind to God. Now, in seasons like in the ones that we are in, oftentimes it may seem as if, and there have been seasons in my life where my, my prayer life maybe seems really dry. Have you ever been in a season like that? And you pray and it feels like the ceiling is made of rubber and it's just like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling coming right back to you. Where you wonder if God is really listening. And, and there are times when God... Uh, kind of impresses upon me, hey, that's the wrong thing to, prayer, to pray. But there's also other times in which I just get this sort of uh, prompting from his spirit. That he's like, hey, Aaron, it's, it's not that I'm not listening. And it's not that I don't want to answer your prayers. It's just that you're praying too small. I, I want you to pray bigger prayers. I want you to make bolder requests of me. I can handle it. In fact, Jesus himself would say this in John chapter 14. This is an astounding statement. Jesus said, you can ask for anything, anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. 
And that is such an astounding statement that it's almost hard to believe, isn't it? You're like, anything? Really? Could I pray that my annoying coworker could get fired? Could I pray that my worst critic could get crippling uh, constipation? Like, could I pray that, Jesus? And very simply put, Jesus would say, well, I don't know, does it bring glory to my heavenly father? It's like, drats. I don't think it will. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't pray that. But Jesus, that's a bold thing that Jesus just said. Could any one of us potentially want to take advantage of that? Yeah, possibly. Jesus is like, that's why he offers those qualifiers. He's like, just make sure that it glorifies my heavenly father. Just, just make sure that your heart is in the right place. And can I just say to you and can I say to our church that right now is the time. Not for us to shrink back, but for us to run in. That now is the time not for us to just pray, uh, Lord, get us through this prayers. But it's the time for us to pray, Lord, what do you want to do through us prayers? God, what, what, what is it that you're asking me to do? What is it that you're asking me to step into? Now is the time for us to pray big, bold prayers. We need it, don't we? Like in, in this, in, in, what, in what we're navigating right now, like not, not just with the pandemic. I mean, I think that we can pray, God, please bring an end to the pandemic. And I don't think you need to feel bad about that. It's like a, a big, bold prayer. God, please bring an end to it. But at the same time, say, God, but I don't want to miss what you want to teach me through it. That's just as bold. God, we need healing in our land. Things are so divisive. They're not getting any better. God, would you please unite us? God, would you please help us to lead the way? God, we don't want to continue to contribute to the division. But God, we want to be a city on a hill. We want to be a light in a dark place. We need to pray big, bold prayers. So can I just give you a few questions to help you with, with what you need to ask? Here's the first question is, what are you afraid to ask God for? Just name it. Like, well, I'm just afraid to ask God for this. Well, why? Well, because I don't feel like I'm worthy of it. That's an honest answer. I'm afraid to ask God for this. Why? Because I've asked for that before and he didn't do anything about it. And I don't want to feel rejected again. That's an honest answer. But what do you need to, what, what are you afraid to ask God for? Here's the next one. Is there anything you're saying no to for God? You ever done that? You ever done that about somebody else? Like, it's like, well, you know, we really, you know, need a babysitter. But, you know, I don't want to ask them because I don't want to put them out. They're probably busy. And it's like, well, you just said no for them. Like, well, what, why, why don't you give them the opportunity to say no? Maybe they would love to, to actually babysit for you. And same thing is, is true with, with, with God. Oftentimes you're like, I'm not going to pray that because God will say no. Well, how do you know? He might just say yes. Like when he healed the leper. Here's the third question. Is what you're asking glorifying God and benefiting others? And man, if the answer to that is yes, then you ask it. And you pray big, bold prayers unapologetically. Here's the second uh, application is um, make a bold invite. And what I'm talking about is this like others focused kind of a thing. You know, one of the things I love about John's gospel is that it is a come and see kind of gospel. You know, where uh, some skeptical friends were like, well, I've got some questions about Jesus. Jesus from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And I love it. They're just kind of like, well, I don't know the answer to your questions. Why don't you just come and see? And it's just, that's the kind of environment that we want in our church. I'm not asking you to convince anybody of anything or to answer all their questions, but to have a come and see kind of an attitude. Man, just come and see. Just come and experience it. And, and right now is a time for us to invite others because others are open to an invitation now more than ever because the ground has shifted under everybody's feet. And God is doing something. I mean, the sawdust is flying everywhere. God's remodeling something. And people are open to it. Now, here's just an observation that I'm, I'm going to make. 
um, and many of you uh, will probably be able to relate to this, is that uh, I grew up in a very legalistic church environment. And I don't know how many of you did as well. I know a number of you probably have. And when I say legalistic church environment, what I mean is a church environment with people whose intentions were good, but it was high on moralism and shame and very low on love and grace. Anybody grow up in that church with me? Yeah, a few of us. Now, here's the observation I've made in my own life and maybe uh, in the lives of some others who had that background. Is that oftentimes we're pretty timid to talk about our faith. Is that oftentimes we're, we're, we're a bit hesitant to invite people to come to church because we, we uh, are reacting to the legalism that we grew up in. And that's totally understandable. We, we, we don't want to come across as pushy or preachy, which I actually take offense to that last one because... Preachy is kind of what I do, and I'm okay with it, all right? But, but we don't want to come across that way, so we, do, so we don't invite. And see, while I think that comes from well-intentioned place, it's, it's not ultimately the most loving thing to do. One of the observations I've, I've seen is that over the last decade, our, we have reached more people for Christ in this church that didn't have a church background. So when I say legalistic church background, they, they don't even like, really know what I'm talking about, and they have no problem inviting people to church. And they have no problem talking about their faith because it's coming from this space of like, here's a man who, who's changed my life. I, I want you to meet him too. And right now, some of us need to lay aside those legalistic chains. And we need to say, no, no, no. Actually, the most loving thing is for me to be authentic and real, but for me to make a bold invitation to people who are in desperate need of only what Jesus can offer. And I'll do it with authenticity. I love the boldness of the paralytic's friends. Could you just imagine the scene on that Sunday morning? They go over to his apartment. They bang on the door. He's still in bed because he's depressed. Like, hey, bro, come on, man, get up, get your stuff on. We're going to go see this guy named Jesus. And he's like, no, thanks, man. I'd rather sleep in. Hey, no, man, we're not going to let you do that. We're going to go see Jesus because we think he can heal your legs. I don't think I really want to go. Hey, sorry, man, you're going. <laughs> All right? I mean, they just make this bold move and it completely changes his life. And I just want you to think about someone right now who's hurting. And make an invitation, it just might change their life. And that invitation might be a digital invitation where you invite them to, to watch online. That invitation might be towards September the 20th. And you can actually go to this link right here and you can find out just to, the, uh, tools to use, digital invites. But I'd just be encouraging you right now to just make a bold invitation. Say, hey man, our church is regathering on September the 20th. I'd love to have you as, as a guest. And I just want to say this, is that um, September the 20th, there's going to be a lot of first-time guests that are going to come onto our campuses. I, I've been out and about, uh, I've been out to get my hair cut, I'll go to the grocery store, and I'll have my, you know, my, my mask on. It's amazing, like, how many people will still, like, recognize me with the mask. I don't know what that is. Like, they recognize, like, this up or something. And they'll just come up to me and say, hey, man, I, I've started joining your church online over the past few months, but I've never been there. When are you reopening? Because I want to come. And so I just have this feeling that we're going to see a lot of guests that are going to come. And we need to be ready to love them with the love of Jesus. You with me in that? It's a little quiet in here. Hey, one last application. And it's just simply this. Make a bold move. Make a bold move. What is it that God... Now, I'm not talking about being abrasive. I'm not talking about being careless. I'm not talking about steamrolling over, over people. I'm talking about what is it that you're kind of afraid to do. And maybe God is prompting you to do it, and now is the season to do it. This is a season for bold moves, not tentative steps. 
And I get it, like 2020 has pushed every single one of us to the ground. And I just want to gently but directly and pastorally encourage you to get up. Get up on your feet. None of us knows what the future holds, and that's totally okay because we are following after a king who does. Remember that faith is a bold move into an unknown future based on reliable information. Well, what's that reliable information? Namely, the person of Jesus and what he said. And Jesus said, hey, listen, and I told you that in this world you were going to get knocked down. I don't know why you're surprised by that. Get up. I've overcome the world. And he is in control. And I believe down to the core of my being that he is in control and that he is at work. Like, I believe this stuff more than ever because of what we're walking through right now. And we can be bold because our confidence is in him. And he has a plan. And he is using it for our good. He is using it right now to strengthen you. You don't know it yet because you feel pretty weak. But he's growing you. He's using it right now to actually expand your capacity to feel for others. You don't know it yet because we still feel sort of isolated from others. He's using it right now to actually grow your faith. You don't feel it yet because your faith feels pretty wobbly. But I'm telling you that he's using it. This is a year in which God is strengthening us. Because the only way you can grow stronger is through resistance. And this year has given us plenty of it. So, last Thanksgiving... Uh, I got invited by a friend to uh, uh, go for a uh, run um, in uh, one of those uh, Thanksgiving Day uh, runs, like a 5K deal. And uh, the, the night before, he goes, hey, I got, a, I got this idea, Aaron. Why don't we run it in weighted vests? And uh, this has like an extra 20 pounds around it. That was a really bad idea. Because um, we go running last uh, Thanksgiving, and I started off okay, like I could feel, I was like, whoa, I can feel the extra weight. This is different. Um, but man, I got about halfway through that run and I started slowing down. And my joints were hurting and my quads were burning and my calves were cramping up. And uh, he left me in the dust. He was in much better shape than me. He just like takes off. And literally by the, the very end of the turkey run, like my run, I was running slower than I walk that's even possible. Like I was just like, like I could barely like get my feet off the ground and I, every single step hurt. And there were these like sweet little old ladies speed walking past me. And like, you know, little kids that were just, you know, running circles around me. It hurts so much. And I got down to the end and, uh, you know, stripped the vest off and I had to like go home and just like ice my legs. And I was sore for like the next two or three days. But then when my body began to recover and I went for another run without the vest, oh man, like I, I made up so much time. I was in so much better shape. Can I just say that in so many ways, like, like this is 2020. Like we got a weighted vest around us. Like we're, we're running and it's, it's laboring. Right now, some of you are running slower than you walk and your joints are hurting and your quads are burning and it feels like everybody else is making progress, but you. And you're just like, how much longer? And I just want you to know that even though this feels painful, it is strengthening you. It's creating more of an endurance within you. And, and eventually, Jesus promised us this, eventually, the weight will come off. And when the weight comes off, 
man, watch out, man. You're going to make up so much ground. And you're going to be able to look back and say, as painful as that was, and I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, man, God used it. And he used it to help me grow stronger in ways that I never would have grown without the resistance. And can I just say right now that our, as a church, we are going, we are going to reach more people, not less because of 2020. We're going to engage more people, not less because of 2020. We are gonna remove more unnecessary barriers, not less because of 2020. Listen to me, we are not going to let the divisiveness of our culture right now divide our church. We are gonna come together more than ever in unity under the name of Jesus because of what he's called us. Does that mean we gotta agree on everything? No way. We have unity in diversity and actually are better for it because of who Jesus is, because of how he's changed our lives. And we should be leading the way in this, not lagging. And so can I just ask you today, what bold moves do you need to make in your life? What conversations, what changes, what choices do you need to make today? And it's a bold move and you need to make it. What step of faith is God prompting you to to make right now? What step of faith is it? Maybe for some of you, it's to respond and follow Jesus for the first time ever. Maybe for some of you, it's because you realize that you've been spiritually drifting and you actually need to come back to center. Maybe, maybe for some of you during this season where we haven't been able to regather as a church and maybe you started off online really strong, but then it, it got easy to kind of forget. You're like, oh man, I didn't even know like what day it was and I missed the service and I forgot or I was tired of, of worshiping via a screen and you didn't mean for this to happen, but it just subtly happened. You, you started letting Facebook, CNN or Fox News disciple you more than God's word. And when that begins to happen, then we begin to go off the rails and we need to come back to center. And right now, what is it that God is prompting you to do? And, and you say, well, when the pandemic is over, I'm never going back to the way that I used to be. I'm never going back to the way I used to think and the way that I used to live. When the pandemic is over, I'm not going back to those destructive decisions and patterns of behavior that I made in my marriage or in my spiritual life. When the pandemic is over, then I'm gonna put God first in my, in my finances rather than just giving him the leftovers. And I think all that's great when the pandemic is over. How, how about this? You can do it now. You can do it now. It's, it's like that old Chinese proverb. Do any of you remember this? It said the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Second best time is now. Second best time is right now. You plant your tree. You you do what what God is prompting you to do now. You make that bold move now and watch what Jesus does. And today, if you are ready to give your life to Jesus, whether you are in the room with us or you are online here in our city or online on the other side of the world, you can do that. You can go to this link right here and someone would love to follow up with you and help you take your next steps towards following Jesus. And so can I right now just pray? I wanna ask everybody in the room and online, wherever you may be, would you just stand to your feet as we pray? And then we're gonna, uh, we're gonna worship a little bit together. Father, we, we come to you right now. And I thank you for the fact that Jesus is one who calls us to make bold moves. And when we do, he responds to that. So Father, right now, if there's anybody that is hurting, feeling isolated and alone, if there's anybody who is depressed and in bed and thinking, man, I, I, I don't, I've tried that before. I don't know that it's going to work. God, would you allow them to have the strength today to make a bold move? Would you give us a heart for other people to make a bold move in your name?
to bring us together under what it is that you want us to do in and through this world because we know that you have the answers. And so God, we lift up our voices to you right now. We ask this in Jesus' name and everybody says, amen.